Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Set back by Madison for Seoul! Spurs silence the place! And Madison can drive... Hi guys, welcome back to the Spurred On podcast. It is the morning after the night before of that mad game at the Etihad Stadium, Manchester City 3, Tottenham Hotspur 3. So I thought I'd get a kind of tactical analysis from a football coach, Matt Beadle, who's been on the channel before. Matt, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you for having me back. I was uh, I was thinking you only invite me after five or six goal thrillers, right? Is that the deal? Will that be the case in the future as well? I think it's more like most of Spurs games are five or six goal thrillers. So uh, I put it more on, you have no skin in the game. You don't support Spurs or Man City. So I have it. it's more like I'll invite you and I think it's a game you'll be watching anyway. Got it. Good shout. Good shout. Makes so uh, I did a match review late last night and um, kind of gave my two pence worth. But overall, I guess, not even on a kind of tactical analysis. What did you make of the game itself and the two managers kind of slugging at each other? Yeah, great spectacle, great advert for the Premier League, right? I mean, just uh, two teams wanting to attack, two teams wanting to have a go at each other, two coaches seemingly wanting to have a go at each other, two coaches that really stand behind their philosophy, which isn't necessarily always the case in the Premier League. You you and I talked in the last part a little bit about this pragmatism versus philosophy debate. I wanted to get into that if we got the chance again today. Definitely. Because you saw two coaches who believe in a certain way of playing football, uh, uh, come what may, which uh, leads to a great spectacle. Maybe not so much if you're a fan of one of the two teams, but as a neutral last night, bring it on. Great. And um, I think you bringing up that kind of philosophy debate is, is worth getting into straight away, because obviously I think it's even more prescient based on the fact that Tottenham's squad is decimated by injuries and suspensions. And Ange Postacoglu, once again, as he did in the Chelsea game when we went down to nine men, he was completely, you know, stubborn on the basis of he's not going to go to the Etihad and change it in any way. And as a coach looking on, you know, do you admire that or do you think he's bananas? I 
Yeah, bananas is a tough one. It it depends what the goal is. I was thinking about this last night. Uh, you're only bananas if your course of action in whatever pursuit that might be leads to failure, right? And then you judge failure based on what your targets are, what your aims are. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, he seems in every press conference I hear of him and every uh, line I read in newspapers, he seems to be less interested in the destination. He seems to be more interested in in the journey, right? Um, so how football is played seems to be more important to him than maybe what that achieves. And the reason I'm saying that is because if my goals as a coach are X points this year or to get into Europe or to get into the Champions League or to win the league or whatever they may be, if I set myself a concrete goal, then by definition to achieve those goals, I might have to get my team to play in a certain way at certain times to achieve those goals. It seems to me... He's not fussed about that goal. Now, coincidentally, you're in the top six anyway, which must be nice as a Tottenham fan. But I wonder as a sort of a, you know, as a coach, I'm always torn between pragmatism and, and, and just pure beauty. Because he's only about the beauty, it seems to me that you might miss some goals that I think Tottenham fans may have. He doesn't seem to have those. I'll give you a tactical example Mm. that stuck out at me yesterday. Your fullbacks, right? Both very comfortable on the ball. The way that you build out the two centre-halves when the goalkeeper's got the ball, they push on a little bit. And uh, and wants you to play diagonally outside. He wants to give the ball, uh, the the, the two, the right back and the left back, the ball. And then you try and play diagonals into centre midfield. You try and build out through that. Uh, system and I noticed that they don't even look for the long line ball mm. when they get the ball and they turn out and they look forwards they don't even raise their head to see if I don't know if an eight is maybe dropping in or if a if a striker is, is breaking out and going down the line you know it's a classic ball that we've seen a thousand times a million times in the Premier League and it can lead to a lot of success right if you've got mm. the kind of striker who wants to make that run your fullbacks don't even look. And the reason they don't look is because they've been told not to look because they've been told that the goalkeeper is on, the centre-half is on, or a six is on. Um, In other words, we're going to pass it, we're going to keep it short, we're going to keep it on the deck. Now, that's great, and it looks beautiful, apart from when you lose the ball, and two, three, four times last night, your Mm -hmm. fullbacks got caught on the ball. And then I come back to the pragmatism thing. What's his goal? Because if his goal is to beat Man City then a chip ball into the channels once or twice might actually do them because their their fullbacks play so high, right? There's space behind their fullbacks. He insists on not doing that. He insists on keeping it pretty, um, which means that you keep the ball. But what do you do? You keep the ball in your sixes and your your centre-backs and the goalkeeper and you invite the press. And you're inviting maybe the world's greatest ever pressing team to press you. And I think that's why you struggled in the first half because this insistence on playing beautifully encouraged you know, encourage the wolf to come closer to the door. Yeah, I think I, I totally get what you're saying. I think there's a, a slight argument that you're missing or something that Ange actually says in some of his press conferences that maybe because you're not as um, addicted to him as I am and a lot of the Spurs fans <laughs> are, you might not have, have heard. But he genuinely believes that playing this type of football now, whether we've got our first 11 out or not, is mm. the best way in the long term for us to win things and to get to the goals like you say that we want. So basically what he's right. saying is if he embeds the culture in now, no matter what the situation is, Chelsea down to nine men or the Etihad with four fullbacks playing in the back four, then yeah. when it comes to the the big moments, aka actually the moments where Spurs have really struggled even during their successes over the last decade, 
such as semi-finals, finals, big games, it'll be so embedded in them that there'll be no kind of falling back on there. Oh, actually, this is the best way if we go one nil up to sit on our 18 yard line, which is something mm. that we've really suffered from, especially under under Conte and uh, Nuno and Jose when we haven't even got to those semis and finals. So it does still feel like a kind of long term project, but I can totally see how from an outsider's point of view, you're like, you know, surely there are times where you have to be pragmatic and actually just to finish this uh, against Wolves um, a couple of games ago where we lost by conceding two goals in the 95th and 98th minute we did kind of rest on our laurels a little bit in that game and played a bit more pragmatically because it was the first game where we didn't have any of those kind of first team players and actually we ended up losing that anyway so I think that has almost given Ange permission to double down and go well you just lost that game because you played it in that pragmatic style so you know like he said yesterday at half time apparently don't think just play and it actually we probably wouldn't have got a point there yesterday had we played in that more pragmatic way listen your, your point is totally valid and to try and establish any kind of culture in any kind of system you have to repeat it you have to do it a thousand times you have to lay those neural pathways right and, and that example of the fullbacks not even getting their head up to look long line is an example of how they're already being indoctrinated to play his way. I, I have huge respect for that. My argument is, is slightly different. It's not that that is good or bad. My, my, my question is to Spurs fans, would you like your team to be able to adapt to different situations? Mm, mm. Um, so to teams that sit in deep, then you can push your your fullbacks on. Then you can, you know, you can uh, a centre half can dribble into midfield. You can do very progressive, very exciting, very ball dominating things. But against a team that just loves to press with seven players, might it not be? We've been using this word pragmatic like it's pejorative in some way. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Sure, sure. Let's call it an alternative. Mm. Might it be good coaching to give my players an alternative against this particular opponent that attacks with two of the greatest wingbacks the game's ever seen? Yeah. Might it be an interesting idea every so often to chip the ball over their head because then they're done? That's my point. And, yeah. and watching neutral last night, and I, call it pragmatism, call it what you want. Let's call it um, variation. You know, uh, Einstein said, if you keep doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results, that's the sign of madness, right? I'm not calling uh, Postabogli mm -hmm. mad at all. What I'm saying is, might Tottenham be even harder to beat and even better going forwards if they've got a plan B and a plan C and a plan D that totally surprises the opposition, right? Yeah. I didn't see that last night. I saw a team that is beautifully drilled and and has great ability and confidence on the ball, which a lot of Tottenham teams haven't had in the last few years, mm -hmm. right? They've they look nervous when they've had the ball and they wanted to get rid of it. Um, might it shock a couple of opponents to do things a couple of, uh, different, a couple of things differently? Th that, yes. That's my question. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think there's a there's a part of me that has wondered, and and Postacoglu has not ever suggested this, and I think maybe this could be because he thinks to suggest it might make them think differently. But I wonder whether. Once he's had four transfer windows, I'm using four is because it's like when Jurgen Klopp joined Liverpool and he had to start with Adam Lallana and Nathaniel Klein and all those players and it was a struggle, right? It took him about four or five transfer windows before he got what I would deem to be his squad. I wonder if once Postacoglu has got past three, four transfer windows, got the squad in he wants, then that's when he'll be like, they are so indoctrinated, great word that you use, that now he can say, okay, now on 90 minutes, if you're one nil up, then maybe it's best not to, you know, try and play tiki-taka outside of your own 18-yard box and lose the ball as we did against Wolves. And it'll be like kind of that process further down the line. 
I saw, I think I saw versions of that yesterday. We talked about the Chelsea game a few weeks ago and how, you know, uh, Kamikaze, the back line played for, for uh, Tottenham. I thought yesterday where there wasn't much pressure on the ball, where you didn't stand as high, where you actively dropped off and said to City, you can have the ball in midfield. Mm. Um, now, that definitely didn't happen against Chelsea. Okay, against Chelsea, went down to nine men relatively early. But um, last night I saw... I saw a, a version of a plan B, certainly against the ball. With the ball, you seem to want to do the same things all the time. But against the ball, um, you uh, you did set up. There were times when you do your badges, one of the first defensive things they talk about is a concept called pressure cover depth, right? So you've got to get some kind of pressure on the ball. Uh, yeah. These days, it's two, maybe three players. It used to be one. You've got to get pressure on the ball. You've got to have cover, a player a few yards set back diagonally from that. Not necessarily... Uh, because we expect the player to get through and they're there then. But because, as we know, the second phase of the press is often the most successful, right? It's got like a domino effect. You push a player into a certain corner so that he has to turn or pass into an area he doesn't want to, and that's where the cover is there. So you've got pressure on the ball, you've got a bit of cover, and then you've got a bit of depth. Um, against Chelsea, we saw only pressure, right? And there was no cover and there was no depth. Yesterday, there was depth. There were, there were lines there for the next pass. The issue is you're playing against maybe the best passing team you know the world's ever seen mm. so uh, i i wouldn't i wouldn't criticize um tottenham for not having much ball yesterday you were you were organized you were structured the back four you're right two of your first choice players are out but i for me that's a red herring right these are still hundred thousand pound a week professional sure. footballers sure. playing in the best league in the world um i, I didn't see that as an issue yesterday um, I mean, they are, fact, but they I, are two full. They are two fullbacks playing at centre half. I, I, I personally would say just because you said you didn't see it as an issue. I, and I think I texted you about this. That moment where Ben Davis wasn't brave enough yeah. to hold the line on the 18-yard line for their yeah. second goal. That I think showed a little bit of I haven't played this in a four enough to know that I can do this. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, we did write about that, and, and that jumped out at me as well. But I knew centre halves would get panicky there as well. True. He's in the golden zone, right? He's in the shooting zone. Eighty-five uh, percent of goals come from that position so I can see why defenders get nervous and jumpy and uh, and go to the ball there. He played him on side, but it's still an absolutely brilliant team goal for Man City, yeah, right? Um, yeah. uh, even if he hadn't played him on side, if the run's timed well, it would have worked anyway for Man City. So I uh, I, I don't want to totally um, poo-poo your theory, but I don't think the centre-halves being trained fullbacks was the reason why he conceded three goals yesterday. And Man City obviously were at Stamford Bridge a few weeks ago. Man City have actually drawn three in a row. What what yeah. were the kind of tactical differences that you noticed from the way Pochettino's Chelsea set up against City compared to what Ange did? And, you know, they both got the same result. So would you say that the way Pochettino did it was a little, um, I don't know, more... Uh, they were playing more balls into the channels, as you were saying, and being a little less cute on the ball as, as Ange's Spurs were? They were, but it's uh, horses for courses, isn't it? The, the players that just, Chelsea have got nine wingers in their squad, right? right. So uh, if you don't put, play the balls down the channel, if you don't put them in one-on-one -on -one situations, then you're not using that squad to your, to its strengths. A Mudrick or, or a Sterling or or uh, Palmer or those kind of players, right? You've got players who can do that. Uh, you played with a different system last night. You didn't play with out-and-out -out wingers. Um, you, uh, you, against the ball, when, when Man City had the ball... I noticed that Son uh, presses the goalkeeper yeah. from the side and wants the goalkeeper actively to play into the middle. I don't know whether you noticed this, but City do the opposite, right? Haaland 
uh, runs in a curve and, a, and attacks the goalkeeper to try and force uh, the ball down one side, right? It's called splitting the field. So he tries to split the pitch and, and make play predictable and make the goalkeeper play down one side. Son was doing it differently. Son was actively running at him from the sides to try and make the goalkeeper play through the middle because that's where you've got the that's where you've got Lacelso, that's where you've got your players who can win the ball back, right? Mm-hmm. Um that's what Chelsea did differently because Chelsea uh, were expecting to have less ball. They know that at the moment that their squad's not as good. So they played to their strengths. When they did get the ball, they played balls down the channels and tried to put pressure on there. Tottenham backed themselves and, and said, you know what, goalkeeper, you're one of the best ball playing goalkeepers in the world. We're going to make you have to play down the middle. And then we're going to try and back ourselves in the 50 fifties. And we're going to back ourselves to pass through you when we win it back. And certainly in the second half, last 20 minutes, you did that. You know, you certainly did that. Yeah, there seemed there seemed to be to me a big difference um, once Hoiberg came on for Brian Hill in the second half. Hoiberg yeah. kind of gave us. It, it didn't feel like we had a natural kind of um, number six in the first half. I know Basuma plays that role, but I think what Basuma needs when he plays that role is another player who previously this season has been Pat Matasar, who will also do the leg work in to help him. And in the first half, because he had. Lo Celso and Kulisevsky ahead of him. It seemed like there were ache, there was acres of space for Man City to run into, especially on the transition. I feel yeah. like Hoiberg really helped kind of settle that down in the second half. But I want to talk about um, Kulisevsky and Lo Celso a little bit and what you noticed about them yesterday, just because they are two players. Kulisevsky this season, who has been getting a bit of abuse from Spurs fans, he, he mostly plays on the right. And actually he did again. He went out wide again, second half. But I actually really liked him in that number 10 role, which he's kind of started in yesterday and a few games recently because Madison is unfit. And I feel like he's a lot less um, transparent in the way he's going to go. Whereas when he plays on the right, because he's so one-footed, he's always going to cut in. And I, I liked I liked what he did. Right. I wonder what you thought of those two players, specifically him and Lo Celso yesterday. Yeah, I like Lo Celso. I thought... Uh... He could work on his timing of his tackles sometimes. Maybe that could be something on yeah. Monday morning to look at in training. But uh, again, you know, a bit, bit tough considering the players that he's playing He's Argentinian, against. Matt. <laughs> it's part of the game out there. Are we making generalised uh, yes. international statements here? Okay, yes. okay. It's that kind of podcast, as I mm-hmm. see. Um, I think you mentioned a name that is was hugely important, not only to the game last night, but for the last couple of games to Tottenham, and that is Madison. I think you saw yesterday how important he is in that system and how important he is uh, for the way that, that, that Postacoglu wants to play football. Um, because we miss... Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sim so much. I, I, I think so. I think he links, you know, Son's not the kind of player who uh, 
drops in and wants it to feet. You know, he wants the ball in behind. He wants yeah. to run these diagonals and he needs a player who can put those little cheeky balls around the corner. I'm not saying that Kulusevski can't do that. He's got a lovely, you know, he's a, he's a, he's an elegant footballer, but I miss that cleverness. I miss that cuteness yesterday because Madison yeah. wasn't there. Definitely. Yeah. And, and didn't, didn't Kulusevski go over to the right? At, uh, in the second half. Yeah, he did. He did. And yeah. that's because Hoiberg, Hoiberg came in and um, Kulusevski went out wide. Johnson swapped over sides uh, and Brian, because Brian Hill had been taken off. I want to mention something actually as a football coach, ask your opinion on, because another thing that's happening is Basuma's getting a lot of abuse because he tried to nutmeg the player outside his own 18 yard box. Yeah. And that led to city's yeah. third goal. Um, yeah. I think that's a classic example to me of, of something Postacoglu has been saying ever since he arrived at the club, which is I'm asking them to be brave on the ball. If they make a mistake, I will take responsibility for it. And actually, similarly, we nearly conceded a goal. I think just after half time when Vicario made a bad pass out from his own area and, and then had to yeah. make a save to cover it as a football coach, you know, coaching people on the side of the pitch, when that happens to you as a manager or coach, what is the way that you deal with those players to try and... Because back in the day, in the old school days, and even I'd say up to Mourinho and Conte, they'd be like going absolutely mad and bollocking those players. But it seems like Postacoglu is determined to allow them to make those mistakes. Yeah, it's a, it's a real fine line as coaches, isn't it? And it comes back to that fundamental core value. What's most important to you as a coach? Um, the team that we that I coach, for example, we uh, we try and get the team to play football. Um, we we want them to be confident on the ball. We want them to dominate the ball. And it seems that Postecoglou wants to play the same kind of way. Um, uh, if a player makes a mistake trying to do something quote unquote difficult, if you then criticise that, if you then openly chastise that you're making a very dangerous mnemonic, I think, because you're, you're, you're putting something in the player's mind where they say, well, he told me in training to try and be progressive and try and look forwards and try and open up. And now I've done that and I've lost the ball and I've made a mistake and he's punished me for it. I think uh, it's quite logical that the next time the player finds themselves in that situation again, the neural pathways have been laid. Hang on. Last time I tried this, I got shouted at. I don't want to get shouted at fight or flight response mm. uh, or freeze response. And I'll be more defensive. I think that's very dangerous. I possibly doesn't strike me as the kind of coach who would do that. What you need to do. And, you know, with video analysis and with the trackers and the GPS data that they've got, the modern coaches have got these days and stuff is you could show examples, similar examples. Hey, yesterday, this situation where we lost the ball and then we considered a goal. Okay. Uh, the metrics don't look good because we lost the ball and we conceded a goal. But look at these seven other examples where you tried to do it. And like Busquets, you messed, megged someone and came out or you did a step over and you came out. Look at all these clips where Busquets did it and actually it led to a goal or it led to a chance for us. You know, let's play those numbers. Seven times out of 10, you get away with it and it leads to a goal for us. Three times out of 10, it leads to a, a goal against us. I'm making the numbers up, right? But you sure. get the idea. Yeah. I would go in it at that um, from that angle and say... If this is the way that we want to play, uh, don't save that as a negative experience in your head. Save it as an experience, but look at these other positives that we also had. And how hard is that actually to do, you know, in a, in a, real, <laughs> in a real life situation? So, you know, Matt Beadle, you are managing your, your team. You're in the cup final and it's, you know, two all and there's 10 minutes to go. And your central midfielder has tried to nutmeg someone three yards outside your 18 yard box and the opposition have scored like on a real world in a real world basis. How do you deal with your stress levels at that point to try and make sure he doesn't have the freeze response the following season? 
It's a great question. Uh, I hope that none of my players are watching this uh, right now. <laughs> I you, hope they are. Uh, you, <laughs> you don't. You, uh, we're all human, aren't we? Right. Uh, and you're in the you're in the heat of the moment, and and you know that that's an important goal or whatever, and that's decided it. Yeah, maybe something slips out. Maybe you exclaim something. But uh, but at the very latest, 20 minutes after the game, you sit back and you think, I'm, I'm glad that I've got a player who's got the ability to try those kind of things. And I'm glad that we've got him to a place or them to a place where they want to try that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and if that is the kind of football you want to play, other team, I don't know, uh, Sean Dyche isn't fussed about those kind of things. And he'd, no. go, he'd lay into a player if he wanted to do that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. He has a different approach to the game. Um, he would want to lay different neural pathways. If you've chosen as a coach to lay certain pathways and, and want things done a certain way, then you cannot then uh, chastise the player for doing that. It's it's like parenting, isn't it? You know, I mean, if you if you tell the child, you know, go and express yourself, go and enjoy yourself, go and dance if that's what you want to do, son, go and dance. And then the kid dances and hits the chandelier and smashes it. You can't go nuts about it, can you? Right? right? Um, you've got to encourage creativity. And then I think that's why your point beforehand about this long-term four-window approach is important because to lay those pathways, to really give someone the psychological security, the psychological safety to say, hey, I feel safe here. I'm allowed to go and try these things. I know I can because I've been told for 12, 18, 24 months, right? Yeah. And, and you just don't have that time structure in your system yet. Yeah, and it feels to me like it's a lot about the modernization of um... – of football but you know even even your example of parenting it's like the modernization of everything it's like back back in our day when i was growing up i, I remember watching videos you know goals galore videos uh back in the late 80s and, and i remember i remember once paul gascoigne getting chastised by the commentator might even have been martin tyler for trying a kind of cross field ball across his own 18 yard box and i think man city uh scored as a result and that being like the biggest no-no in football to 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 send a crossfield pass across your own box, right? And now that's just totally the norm. Like they have to be playing those diagonals across their own box. And you see center halves do it. You see goalkeepers doing it. And it's just how the game has changed. That's a that's I think there's two things there. That's a very British thing, isn't it? We love to knock our heroes down, don't we? We love to build them up and then until they make one little mistake and then absolutely slaughter them for it. And the example as a Chelsea fan for me would be Joe Cole. Right, you know, touched yeah. by yeah. Uh, serendipity as a footballer, phenomenal generational talent, uh, and yet, uh, you know, I think if you were to compare the headlines, if you were to do some kind of meta analysis of the of the headlines of Joe Cole over the years, I'm sure the majority of them would be negative. The mistake he made, he tried to dribble out, he lost the ball or whatever, and I'm certain that we lost, that we suppressed a generational talent for, yeah. for Chelsea, but also for England. Uh, because we didn't let him go in the same way that maybe the Spaniards or the Argentinian or the Brazilian might have done. The Premier League is definitely changing. I, I, I agree with you in that. And coaching is changing. And that's why you're seeing great England youth sides, under-17s, under-19s, play out from the back and want to pass through midfield and want to keep the ball and be brave on the ball. Things are definitely changing or have changed. In fact, I went to see a, a German third division game yesterday. Our front side played... Uh, they're fourth in the German third division. They played the uh, Dresden, who were third in the third division yesterday. Cracking game. Um, and there was one moment where our left back clipped the ball parallel to the, his own 18-yard box, about one and a half yards off the ground uh, to the other to the to the right back. Mm. Uh, now, in the in the olden days, we used to uh, in the German coaching system, they uh, they used to give the players numbers 
and tell them what patterns of play are allowed. So two to eight, that's allowed. Two to ten is allowed, but six to um, six to five is dangerous, and two to three is forbidden. Right? They used right. to say that, or three to two, playing play that position. And this guy clipped this unbelievable ball yesterday, and it just flew past the necks of two of his centre halves and the two centre forwards. Uh, and he absolutely meant it. And uh, my coach colleague sitting next to me went, oh, two to three is forbidden, right? <laughs> and we both had to laugh because it used to be, and it's not anymore. If it's the right way to get out, if if you're seeing that the press is coming down the line and the best option is to clip it right across your goal, then you're allowed to do that today. But to come yeah. back to your final point, your last point, as a coach, you've got to give the players the room to do that. Yeah, totally. And and for anyone who didn't watch Matt on the previous podcast, yes, he is a Chelsea fan, but he's one of the few good ones, in my opinion. He uh, He's also a football coach, and therefore we allow him on the podcast to give his very excellent Just verdict. Uh, and also, if because he mentioned this in the first podcast, but yeah, he, he, uh, Matt, you're a football coach in Germany. Tell them where you coach and, and who you're coaching and how that all came about. Yeah, I... I... Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I coach the reserves uh, of a club called SFL. That's spelled V-E-R-L. Uh, they're currently in the front side playing the third division of German football. Um, and I coach the reserve side who play in the sixth tier of German football. We're currently top of the sixth tier, so it'd be fun if we could get promoted to the fifth tier. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a UEFA A license holder, and uh, I used to coach for a, another German pro side called Armenia Bielefeld, who used to be in the Bundesliga. They've slipped down a little bit recently. Uh, but that's certainly where I'm at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, many, many moons ago, I used to play and coach a little bit in England as well. But I've lived in Germany for quite a few years now. And it's actually quite interesting to, uh, and, and you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, it's interesting to be able to, to have grown up in the English oeuvre, you know, the English world or yeah. universe of football, and now to live in the German world and, and kind of compare. You know, Germany have had huge success, obviously, for years and years. The last five years, not so much. The last five years, English football has been um, right up there. And so it's really nice to sort of pick the best bits from both uh, from both games. Yeah, and actually this made me think it's worth asking you because a lot of Spurs fans either are pretending that they're not watching or or are watching. But what is how 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 is the German football world feeling about Harry Kane at the moment and how he's ripping it up over there? Yeah, absolutely amazed. I mean, I... It must be forty percent of the WhatsApps I get, and and like, cause I'm not I'm not a Tottenham fan, but people just immediately, all my German friends just immediately associate Harry Kane with oh Matt, Matt's English, and we know an English football guy. Let's write to him about it. Um, and I get bombarded with Harry Kane uh, mania. It's extraordinary. He's breaking all records, and this is in a league where we've had Lewandowski smash records, and we've had Kevin Keegan back in the day smash records, and we've had. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Jurgen so Yeah, to a certain extent, but particularly the Bayern strikers in recent years. Um, oh, I forget the guy's well, name. Mane, guy? Mane was there last year and didn't do great, right? No, that's right. But it is, maybe I'm being unfair to the Bundesliga and it's kind of a running gag. I talked to my friends about this, that I, I think the, Bundes, the, the Premier League is faster and better. I think it's harder to play in the Premier League than it is to play in the Bundesliga, but that's marginal. Um, but what I'm saying is it's a league where a lot of goals are scored, particularly by the top sides. Okay, the discrepancy, the difference between the top sides and the lower sides is enormous. You know, I know there's a discrepancy in the in the Premier League as well, but the budgets might be, I don't know, five hundred million to a hundred million in the Premier League, but in the in the in the Bundesliga, it can be four hundred million to six million, right? You can yeah. have clubs in there that have little eight thousand seater stadia and stuff, and they've just poked poked up into the Bundesliga for for one or two years 
Um, and so it gives the big clubs and the strikers, the big clubs, the opportunity to score a hatful of goals. Despite that ability to score a lot of goals in the Bundesliga, Harry Kane is still smashing all records and all expectations. Yeah. It's quite extraordinary. Um, I'm hugely proud as an Englishman, uh, you know, that, that an English player is setting the standard. I read the other day that apparently he might be the first, he might become the first ever holder winner of the Golden Shoe Award, the first ever English winner. Have you heard this? Well, of the, of the most a- top goal scorer around Europe. Yeah, and apparently an Englishman's net, or the last Englishman that won it was um, uh, played for Sunderland. Um, right. uh, Phillips, Kevin Phillips, that's right. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Phillips. Phillips. I think yeah. Kevin Phillips was the last one he won. Yeah, when he was up front with Niall Quinn. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think in a calendar year, it looks like Harry Kane's going to win it this year, and he's only the second Englishman. To answer I your think... question, he's um, he's ripping up trees, and I'm loving yeah, it. I think the big thing about it for me and maybe us as Spurs fans is it doesn't surprise us at all but I feel like everyone else has underrated Harry Kane weirdly maybe maybe not internationally or, or even internationally actually because everyone's like oh he's a penalty merchant or he's this but he's so oh, much more nonsense nonsense can I ask you that question I'm sure you're gonna hate it and I'm sure your listeners mm. are gonna hate it but do you think if he if he played in a quote-unquote better team over the last 10 years that he would have won six league yeah. titles, would have won three Champions Leagues. And... Yeah, I said, it, I said it all the time. If he'd got his move to Man City that he wanted two years ago, he would have scored 60 goals a season all competitions. He's going to do that for Bayern and possibly more. And he'd have won yeah. everything by now. It's unfortunate, but he made, you know, he made a rod for his own back by signing a six-year contract. Now, mm. also, unfortunately for him, that was when Pochettino was there and it was like peak stuff, but... His agent, yeah, his agent has a lot to answer for. He's also his brother because he didn't put in a release clause for that. He should have insisted on a release clause such as if it's not going well in two years time, I'm allowed to leave for 150 million or whatever it is. But anyway, look, what, I, I, I don't want to be negative. Do I have a release clause from this podcast? What do I have to do to get out of this? Definitely in the next seven minutes because I'm not going to uh, upgrade to pay for this Zoom account. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually... Bringing it on, I did want to ask one last question, which is, um, you know, you've watched quite a lot of Spurs games now. Um, How do you see the end of the season for Spurs realistically? Let's say, you know, I think the injuries should get back in January. Maybe we'll make a couple of signings. Where do you think we'll, what what waters will we be here swimming in? You asked that question at the Chelsea game as well, actually. And Mm. I said, I can see definitely finishing top four, top six. I I, stick with that, but we might be looking five, six, seven, eight now. And the reason I said that, I don't want to be too negative about it, but I think people have cracked the code now. I think the opposition coaches have started to crack the code and started to see, okay, this is the way come what may Tottenham are going to play. So to try and push their buttons and pick the locks, we're going to have to play this way against them. I mm-hmm. think you were such a surprise and such a, you know, just a joyous, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, because it was so unexpected at the beginning of the season i think that's why you saw the, the success that you saw i think you've dropped down maybe to a slightly more realistic position i don't think you, you know you, you played well to be at the top of the league and that was great but now that people are starting to work you out i think you've slipped down to a i think the the the, the league position which will probably suit you at the end of the season as well i may be wrong and making predictions in football is always a nightmare yeah, of course right is. you can't you can't win anything with kids um, uh, as an example of a bad prediction. But I reckon that you'll finish uh, in the European places at least. And then, like you say, then you become more attractive to other players, not just because of the league position, but because of this reputation. People are like, you know, some great players and some great leagues are going to go, I want to go and play for that coach. Yeah. And with the greatest respect, I don't think you've had that over the last two or three years. Yeah, yeah you've had big name coaches, but, I, but players get paid well in all the top leagues in the world these days. It's not about the money anymore. It's about 
you know what? I want to work with an absolute mentor. I want to, I want to go to go to somebody who's going to take me to the next level. And I think a lot of players are going to be interested to work with Ange for that reason. I agree. Fantastic news. Matt, let the uh, audience know where they can find you and uh, see your stuff. You're a gentleman. Cheers, mate. Uh, my website is mattbeadle.com uh, and uh, all of my social media, certainly LinkedIn and Instagram is Matt L. Beadle. So uh, check it out. Cheers, Barney. Really enjoyed that, mate. Uh, next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Tottenham are in a six-goal thriller, let me know. I will, absolutely. And guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. As ever, if you are watching on YouTube, please do go over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a subscribe and follow. It's the Spurred On podcast and vice versa. If you're listening on a podcast platform, come over to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at Barnaby Slater underscore and give us a watch. Most importantly, though, after a great result yesterday, come on you Spurs.